Hi everyone, I'm Joel Premack and welcome to the Community-Led Growth Show. Each week, I will be speaking with community leaders to share insights with you all on how to build a community-led growth company. Let's get to it. Hey everyone, I'm Joel Premack, host of the Community-Led Growth Show. Today, I'm joined by Alex Sue, Head of Community Development at Ironclad. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Alex. Thanks for having me, Joel. Uh, really excited to be here. Awesome. Well, let's dive into it. So first, would you please give all of our listeners a quick 30-second intro about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Alex, and I, I work at Ironclad, where I'm the uh, head of community development. We're a digital contracting platform, and my background is uniquely suited to being in a community role because I used to practice law. And as most folks know, uh, law departments are primarily uh, the, the folks who deal with contracts in a company. And so, you know, I started off uh, practicing law and then I moved into sales and I started engaging with uh, people on, on social media, in particular LinkedIn. But beyond that, like um, I started getting on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. And so Ironclad saw what I was doing, especially with community building on social and recruited me to uh, join the community team. So uh, I've been there for almost a year, and uh, my my role is primarily to drive engagement, both within the internal Ironclad customer community and also the external broader community at, at large. Awesome. That leads me perfectly into my first question of what really kind of was that lightning strike moment that made you begin building out community across social media platforms? Yeah, when I um, first got into tech, I was a salesperson. I was an SDR responsible for making cold calls to lawyers. And uh, for folks who have never called on lawyers, uh, it's a tough crowd to break into. And I struggled to hit my numbers, um, even though I was making an insane number of calls. So I thought, well, what else could I do? Um, I had heard about social selling on LinkedIn. And so I started experimenting with posting on LinkedIn. And I continued to do it over many years. And at first, it was kind of like, Nobody liked anything and I had to text my friends and say, hey, can you like something? So it doesn't look like I'm a total loser. But over time, I started building an audience and some interesting stuff started happening. You know, people started engaging with each other in the comments. And then I remember about a year or two in, I got my first inbound lead. And, and that's when I realized, hey, this thing's got legs. Let me continue to, to drive that engagement, con continue to put out good content and get people talking to one another because who knows where this could take me. Awesome. Well, on that note of you're just starting out, what were your expectations when you began? Because I think that that's something that people see people who are already successful, but reality to what you see today for some people takes some time. So I'd love to hear about your expectations when you began your journey. Yeah, it's that's definitely true. I think that when people see a mature community or if they see what I have on social, they may try to emulate it. But in the early days, it's very different. So when I first started off, um, I posted about like industry articles because I wanted to be a thought leader, or at least I thought I was supposed to be a thought leader. Nobody liked that stuff. I had, like I said, I had to text my friends to, to like everything. So over time, I started shifting my topics just to see what people would like. And even one like or one new comment was a huge deal. You know, these days I get hundreds of comments and thousands of likes, but it's like, at the beginning, you really want to look for, okay, who's liking this? Who's engaging with this post? Who fits in my target persona? 
but isn't a friend of mine, like a direct friend, because, you know, your friends will be nice to you. They'll, they'll engage with their content. So, so I think in the beginning, as soon as you expand beyond your friends, you got to pay attention to what's happening there. And then in the beginning, you got to do things that don't scale um, because you got you to have a conversation. So what I did was I actually jumped on calls with people. I asked them about themselves. I learned what topics resonated most with them. So I feel like in the beginning, I was just trying to like learn from the people who, who liked my stuff. And then over time, it became a flywheel because as you start putting out content, more people like it. And then you see in the comments some patterns. So it becomes easier over time. But in the beginning, it was just, you know, meeting each person one by one. I remember I had a spreadsheet of like a hundred people I, I, I did one-on-ones with and, 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 it, and some themes came out. And so I started to understand how I should adapt my community. And when I joined Ironclad, you know, we were building out a, a community forum. Um, I did the same thing. I met with as many people as possible because I think in the beginning, driving engagement is everything. And then over time, you can start to, to do different things. So I think in the beginning, just doing things that don't scale and just having those one-on-one conversations just to understand your audience, just to understand your target market, um, they'll go a long way uh, as a foundation for your community. So again, perfect segue. I love this into my next question, which was going to be around how and what's your process, I guess, really around developing new content uh, for your social media platforms. And I would also add this kind of sub question of, do you produce different content for different platforms? So the answer to your second question, I do develop different content for different platforms. I feel like each social media platform it's like a, a virtual version of, of a different place in the real world. LinkedIn is clearly the workplace. Um, you can be funny, you can be silly, but just you, you're always going to be aware that the higher ups, the, the bosses are always watching. So, so there's a certain vibe there. And then on the other hand, you have a place like TikTok and Twitter, which I would say are like the playground or like, you know, the bar that you go to after work, you know, people say a lot of crazy things, you know, sometimes they let loose and and get in trouble but um you know that irreverent humor works really well there whereas like if you're too straight um if you're too i guess if you act the way that you act in the office it'll be harder to connect with people on those platforms and instagram i think is somewhere in between um i'm certainly not an expert in all the platforms but i think linkedin is unique in that sense i, I love linkedin because i think um even though it is kind of like the workplace um you you can you can be funny and I think you, because your name is attached to it, there are fewer trolls, uh, people are more thoughtful with their comments and very positive. So I like LinkedIn, um, especially for professional reasons. And in terms of the content, um, you know, today I have some very broad themes that I always go back to. I put out content in different mediums and like, you know, I do video, I do text posts, but I know that there are certain themes that will always resonate with my audience. And um, I, always, I stay focused on them because I wanna make sure that my community which is made up of certain personas that have been, been, been consistent over the years. I want to make sure they get what they want out of following my, my, my accounts. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, you know, two core audiences I have are um, folks who work in a legal department at a company and folks who work at a law firm. Um, and that could include associates, partners, and paralegals. So those are the two core audiences that I focus on. And so when it comes to content, uh, it could be a TikTok making fun of the dynamic between a senior lawyer and a junior lawyer. It could be um, some type of joke post where I or meme where I make fun of the dynamic between sales and legal, which is a, a very common topic and common theme in my content. 
So those are some of the examples. And I think that just in the beginning, I had to develop those topics by talking to people one-on-one. -on -one, one -on -one. Um, over time, I, I use the comments as a, as a way to develop future content because, you know, sometimes I'll put out some piece of content that I think will do really well. I remember I, I made, a, made a joke about um, in-house lawyers, you know, people who work for a legal department, made a joke about them having a lifestyle job and I got roasted in the comments. Like, hey, our job is actually very, uh, very you know, we have a lot of hours and it's really hard. So, so I started adjusting that over time. And so I think it's an iterative process, but uh, it's a lot of fun. And I think as long as you stay focused on serving your core audience, I think more and more people will engage and come. Awesome. Well, on a shout out to your TikToks, uh, <laughs> before today's recording, I actually showed my mom a few and we got some good <laughs> chuckles. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, I, I, I never know who my content resonates with. And I think that's the beauty of content and how it can drive community. Agreed. And I, I guess for us, it also hits a little bit differently because in our family, we have a lawyer. So it's just <laughs> very funny that we kind of understand some of these things yeah. a little bit than yeah. maybe others who don't or aren't in the legal profession. But it was very funny. So thank you very much for those laughs again. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. Hey, as long as you're entertaining, that's a key thing on social content. So it's a good strike to have. Yeah, and I think that humor is tricky. Um, I'm certainly not the funniest person uh, in person. Um, you know, my wife will watch my TikTok sometimes and she'll be like, hey, do, do actually people find this funny? Like, she doesn't the jokes. She's not in the legal profession. She's not in the legal industry. But, but I think that the reason why it's funny and, and what I've learned about humor is that if you, if you can be funny about something, you can get away with saying a lot of truths. And those truths aren't really spoken. Um, you know, I, I think that everyone knows them, some truths and they don't, they just, you just don't talk about them at the workplace. So when you create a video, it's not funny like a stand-up comedian funny, but it's funny in the sense that it's like, oh, I relate to that, that's, that's so true. So, so I've learned to, to develop that. And in the legal profession, that's very unique because I think a lot of lawyers do struggle with being funny or, or struggle with feeling like they can't say certain truths because they're afraid of getting in trouble. So I've found this very unique niche in, in community building. I love it. And I think that that also hits on something so great of like finding your unique niche. Like that's yeah. a great point to have when you're building community because you can't be everything to everyone always. That's right. So very nice. Well, we've now talked about how you create content and your process. We've learned more about your audience. So I'd really like to learn more about how did you know your content was really resonating with your intended audience kind of as your community building journey really has evolved over time? Like have your metrics changed that you watch has have you seen new trends, I guess, really over time and such or and or across platforms too? I will also add that one in too. Yeah, so I, I do watch these things. And I, like I said, because I think I started off in sales, I've always had an eye for uh, making content to drive community to certain results. Like uh, it's, it's not like what I primarily focus on. I don't make content or build community for sales, but it is something I watch. Um, and I mentioned like early on, like very many years ago, I, I got my first inbound lead. So I started doubling down on it. And so, um, you know, at some point in my sales career, it was responsible for like half of my sales pipeline. And so I knew that it was really humming. And I was doing things like, 
you know, I would create content and I would let it run, you know, the, the, the content runs and, and gets views and, you know, different platforms also are, are provide different potentials. So, um, for example, I'll, I'll talk about LinkedIn because LinkedIn is, I think, the primary platform when it comes to what B2B companies probably care about. Uh, sales, you know, uh, customer, just happiness. Uh, because I think that the, the, the LinkedIn platform is designed for professionals. There's an easy link. I think mean, people are accustomed to signing up for webinars, which is one measure of, of a successful community. Um, people are used to... Um, reaching out to others for sales conversations. Again, that's that's a very LinkedIn thing. I've noticed that on on places like Twitter, um, it's much harder to sell. It's almost like more of a brand building exercise. Um, I got I get fewer leads. Um, and that's same the same is true for for all of the platforms actually, except for LinkedIn. Um, Instagram, I'm still trying to figure that out. Although I think Instagram hold, holds a little bit of potential. Um, I think TikTok is not a place you can sell. It's not a you know for B2B, I think it's more brand building. Um, and the way I use it is that, you know, if, if I put out content on TikTok and people are liking it, um, it, it tells me that I'm onto something and it might make sense to repurpose for, for LinkedIn. So I, I think that's how I think about it holistically. And then when it comes to like how I measure whether something is working, I think in the life cycle of a community, you always want to look at a lot of different measures. I think for me, the most important part is engagement. Are people resonating with your content? And the simplest way when you're small is to look at likes and comments. But as you get bigger, you want to look at, you know, other things like, you know, how are people reaching? When people reach out to you, what are they saying? You know, I had a guy once when I was selling a, a technology product, you know, I just, he, he asked me for a one-on-one. -on -one, and this was a, a, a general counsel who's a senior legal executive who we, you know, we tend to want to get in front of. And when I talked to him, um, I was going to talk about our company's offering, but instead he actually told me, he, like he told me our, my own pitch, like he was able to say what my company did and so that to me told me that it was working um as opposed to like sometimes i'll get dms from law students which is great um but from a b2b perspective that's probably less valuable than say a general counsel so so there's like qualitative stuff we look at or i look at um there's quantitative stuff uh but but overall you know at ironclad we are now kind of trying to hone in on um some broader metrics and that's something that uh, my boss mario carroll uh, she's the chief community officer uh, she looks at a lot of different things and, you know, we have conversations about how our community is progressing. So it's an ongoing exercise. I think that it's always challenging to figure out, you know, where exactly you're having impact on because attribution can be tough, but, but there are things that you can tell like engagement and, 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 and brand that you can almost um, get a really good sense of whether things are working. Definitely. And that's really cool to hear you talk about like the different, ways people have engaged in terms of reaching out to you and the value that you associate with each one i think is also a really good point to have in there because it's not just you want more people reaching out to you but it's more of that right audience reaching out to you or intended audience yeah and there's also unexpected benefits and upsides like you know i i've been talking about marketing and sales but um, because of the reach that i have you know i get five to ten million impressions and views per month um, what I've found is that we have new employees at Ironclad who say, you know, I never heard of your company until I saw, you know, one of your videos on Instagram, on TikTok, on LinkedIn. And so from a recruiting perspective, um, it's been very helpful. It's not primarily what I focus on, but, but you know, because you get, when you get that engagement, um, the way that these social media platforms work is that if somebody likes it, 
it'll, you know, it'll show that content to the other people who are they're, they're connected with. And so it's like a spider web and it, it really spreads out. Um, and I've always been surprised by who, who actually views my content. On that note, I will say, I know one B2B company, I think I shared with this previously with you, who actually uses TikTok for recruiting and they've seen a lot of success <laughs> through that. So I'm going to go for under tapped, but very good to be on there. I agree. B2B. I agree. And I think that B2Bs are, are typically are generally sleeping on, on TikTok um, because if you think about social media platforms, uh, every single one has a life cycle, you know, from all the way back to like Facebook and my, MySpace, you have a balance of creators and consumers or, you know, users or, or viewers. There's always this balance. And I think I was lucky in that I started posting on LinkedIn back in 2016 or 17 when there was a balance of too many legal industry viewers and not enough creators. And so it, it gave me organic reach to build my platform. And I think it's to some extent in, in legal saturated. So when you look at a place like TikTok, it is not saturated from a B2B perspective. There's a lot of B2B viewers, not enough creators. And so I think for this will happen for a while. Um, and then when, when they reach a balance, things might change. But right now, TikTok, I think is being slept on. Um, and I think it's great that some of your, you know, people, you know, are, are actually leveraging it for B2B. Awesome. And I, I'm excited to see what B2B does on TikTok as well. Yeah. Granted, I'll have to get a TikTok then <laughs> to actually watch. <laughs> yeah. But that's for a different day. Um, kind of transitioning a little bit back to early days when you were just starting to post. Mm -hmm. Posting on social can be scary. I mean, yeah. sometimes I can be scared just posting a new recording of the episode on LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, just because I'm a little worried about like, well, I hope it's a good episode. Hope it does well. Hope like the person who I had on the show as a guest, like thinks it went well and is really happy with everything too. So how did you, if you felt this way, like overcome those feelings of like, the dauntingness of it or those feelings of like self-doubt or anything when you were just starting to post? Well, I, I think I was lucky in a couple of ways. Um, I have always been active on posting content in like my entire life. You know, I, I started posting on my personal blog like 20 years ago when I was 18 and freshman in college. So I've always known the power of content. Um, I think that when people are about to post, it's very simple. It's very easy and tempting to think about all the things that can go wrong. And certainly a lot of things could go wrong. But what I think people don't really appreciate enough is the value of what the upside is. So I think when you post something and you get 100 people liking it, um, I'm sorry, if you post something and 100 people view it, maybe one person will like it. But there's 99 people who are lurking and watching. And those that's where I think the true value is. Um, you know, seeing where you know, when I posted something and, and, and people who are potential buyers would reach out to me saying, I've been watching your viewing, reading your content for years, makes me realize that when you put out stuff, yes, some people might hate on it. You might get some trolls. You might get no views or no likes, but there's a large pool of people who are really consuming it and loving it. And they just don't like it. You know, I don't like everything that I actually truly like when I see on social. So I think that when people realize that, and a lot of people will never realize that. And, and it's not for everyone, right? But but for those of people who are on the fence, I think understanding where it can really be valuable, um, that should help motivate you to post more. 
Um, and you know, when you when you start off, you really don't have your voice yet. And before you have your voice, it's very hard psychologically. I posted consistently on a lot of different topics. Over time, I've removed certain topics. And if you look at my all of my channels, I'm very consistent in, in what I share. I don't treat it like a diary. I don't talk about everything in my personal life. Um, I use social media purposefully. And so as a new user goes in, you know, as you start in the early days, when you start posting, you want to also understand what, what people resonate with you on. Like there's parts of your story that you're going to share authentically that people are going to resonate with. And, you know, you want to stay in, stay focused on that because that might surprise you. Like, and I'll share with you like this last thing before I stop talking. But um, when I first started posting, I knew that I was illegal and I was like, I don't know if I can truly post what I feel because in legal, um, like I, I, I'm, I don't feel like I fit in. Um, I wasn't a typical lawyer. Uh, my parents are immigrants. I felt like a fish out of water. Um, and I felt like I wasn't your stereotypical lawyer. So I don't know if I, people would resonate with my content. What I found after posting is that as I shared my own stories of my own challenges and struggles, so many other people started emerging, but whether through DMs or comments saying, hey, I've dealt with those same challenges too. And today I feel like it almost seems like I have a tribe of people who have similar feelings to me that I would have never found had I not put out something risky out into the world, like saying like, I felt like I struggled in the legal profession. You know, it's like, that's, that's the beauty of community because I think a lot of us feel certain things and we don't share it. But, but community provides that, that avenue for you to like connect with other people who, who have similar, uh, who are similar and, and, and might not be, who might not realize that other, there are many others who are like them. So, so I think that's, that's what I would say to someone starting off. Like, you know, you never know who your tribe is. They're, they're, they're out there. So keep posting consistently. You never know. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think that that's really just like a true statement. You just got to like, be persistent and, and consistent, and you'll find them. That's right. Um, but now we're going to transition into a couple of fun questions to wrap <laughs> up the episode because we're getting close to time. So first is, do you have any favorite creators and or companies that inspire you? Yeah, I'll talk about um, creators first. Um, there is an entire ecosystem of creators in the legal space. Um, there's two that jump to mind for me. Um, the first is David Latt. He um, was a lawyer who left his practice and started creating content and creating a community to develop the leading uh, news website, one of the leading news web media websites for legal called Above the Law. Um, you know, he was the first creator, I think, when I was in law school. And so I've always admired him. And, you know, putting out content, we ended up becoming friends. And I, 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 I reach out to him for for advice. He's not like a new age, what I'll call new age um, social media person. Like he is active on Twitter. He has a sub stack and it's you know an email list. So, so I think he's doing something, a different way of community building, but he's been doing it for many years, um, you know, over 10 years. So I admire him. Um, I admire uh, Cece Shea. Um, she is a friend of mine who is also a lawyer. She was formerly at a big law firm she posted something on her birthday on TikTok and went viral. And from there, grew her following into 400,000 people. And she just recently left her job to pursue, um, you know, creating and uh, de you know, developing content full time. And I really admire her because she's been able to do this 
while working at a conservative law firm. And I, I'm like, you know, I did this when I was legal tech. I felt like I didn't have the, the, the constraints of, of someone like her. So I really admire her. And so I think both of them are, are really doing um, interesting things in the legal space, both, um, you know, through email, um, who are, you know, who've done this for many years, and also the kind of like Cece, who's newer, really leveraging TikTok, uh, really leveraging uh, YouTube, and, and really doing some cool stuff. So I admire both of them. Um, there's a bunch of others that I probably are mi I'm missing, but those are the two that jump to mind. And, and when it comes to companies, you know, I have not seen many B2B companies really leverage this. And, you know, maybe this is a quick plug for, for Ironclad. You know, I, I have a social media platform and, you know, they leverage, they, they, they recruited me to help grow uh, their community, but I'm not the only one. My, my, my boss, Mario Carroll, she is a legend in the legal operations community because she co-founded and was president of this group called Clock. And that is like the preeminent legal operations community that, that legal tech companies all kind of fall, them, fall over themselves to try to get involved with. And so she is super well-known and an influencer in her own right. And she's my boss. I can't believe it. Like Ironclad has two of us, you know, like, and so she's kind of like, you know, she focuses on enterprise and is very much like a thought leader and really well-respected. I'm kind of the silly guy on social media. Um, and so between the two of us, I think we've done a really good job of this. And I think that Ironclad is pioneering this. And I even see like, you know, other companies trying to do the same. You know, I've got a friend, um, Matt Margolis, who, you know, was a practicing lawyer. And, you know, because of his content creation abilities, community building abilities, you know, he was recruited to a legal tech startup and he's starting his new job next uh, next week. So I don't want to share too much about it, but like, you know, this is a trend that's happening in legal tech. And I think you and I have spoken about this. Uh, I'm very excited for the space. Uh, I very much admire what uh, some of these legal tech companies are doing too. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And last question, what are three community trends in B2B SaaS that you're watching for in 2022 and beyond? Uh, you know, so I'm not probably up to speed on every single latest trend, but I'll, I'll say that um, I'll share what I, what I think is, has, you know, maybe what I think is really valuable. I think the first one is the engagement. I think it's very easy to fall in the trap of when you launch a community to figure out how the company is benefiting from community. We're very lucky at Ironclad, you know, we've always been a community focused company. You know, our CEO used to host community dinners when it was just a handful of people in the company. And, you know, it, it's always been part of the company's DNA. So we're lucky in that sense. Um, I think other companies that I've heard, you know, when they launch a community, they're always like, you know, how many support tickets can this deflect? You know, what kind of pipeline can this influence? And I think that those are good things, but only if you focus on um, driving engagement and providing value for your community members. So I think that's one thing. Um, another thing is that I think you want to leverage social. I think companies, I think social is scary. It's kind of a weird thing, but I've spoken to enough B2B marketers that um, I think they don't realize the power of social. Like what they, they do is they do the same old, you know, Facebook ads, they do the, um, you know, other paid ads, but ads are getting more expensive. You know, as tech companies get more funding, it becomes more, more crowded more budget to, to focus on paid ads and, and the, the price of the ads go up. Plus you have, you know, things like, you know, Facebook's targeting has really declined over time because of the privacy uh, issues with Apple. So I feel like advertising is harder. Social media is an un totally untapped space and until recently hasn't really been leveraged by B2B. So I think that's another trend that I would uh, think about. And then finally, I think 
you want to think of community as it's as a standalone function. And I think that a lot of companies think of it as a part of marketing or, you know, is driven by marketing. I think community has to be itself because I think community can touch upon all sorts of different functions, not just with sales and marketing, but with, you know, customer success, product development, just a lot of different things. So I think that the forward looking companies are thinking of community as its own function, as opposed to folding it under marketing. So there you go. There are three things. Maybe they're obvious to everyone and not to me, but um, those are, I think, three really cool trends. Awesome. I love them. So I think many other people <laughs> will learn and definitely think about them too. So thank you so much. And again, Alex, thank you so much for being on the Community-Led Growth Show today. If people want to follow and or connect with you on other channels and or handles, what are the best ones for them to do so? Find me on LinkedIn, uh, Alex Sue, and you can probably find my other platforms from, from there. Uh, I do cross post a lot, so I would focus on LinkedIn. And you know, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm new to this and I'm always looking to learn more from other community folks. So um, yeah, just reach out to me on LinkedIn, Alex Sue. And, and Joel, thank you so much for having me on the show. I feel uh, it's not often I get to talk about this stuff and um, it's always fun for me to talk about myself for, for half an hour. <laughs> well, hey, happy to be the space where you get to talk about yourself and share all your great knowledge nuggets with everybody on community and social. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. On, thank you. On that note, have a great day. Bye.